also to give us the tools that are necessary to overcome and, as we just said, finish strong. You know, you don't hear it that often anymore, but years ago, right through the body of Christ, not just this church, you would often hear people say, it's not how you begin, it's not how you start, it is how you finish. And there is a lot of truth to that, because let's be honest, we're not going to be remembered for how we started our journey with the Lord, but no one will ever forget how you finished. And we want to finish so strong, we want to finish so well that future generations will be inspired by our walk with God and will want to follow in our path. That's what we should be living for. Pastor Josh alluded to that a moment ago, and I would just reiterate it with you again this morning. We should be living our lives with such excellence in the Lord that when we are gone, our faith would inspire younger generations and they would want to follow in our steps because they know that if they follow in those steps that they are going to have an encounter with Almighty God. Too many of us today are only thinking about ourselves and getting to heaven one day. I don't want just that. I want to go to heaven, amen? But I want to be long after I'm gone to have left a legacy that inspires the faith of the younger generation that they would say, you know what, I'm going to follow that example because I know if I follow it, I'll have my own encounter with the living God Almighty. Now, we've talked about a lot of things over these last, believe it or not, eight weeks. And I'm not going to review them this week or next week. But I just want to very quickly talk about what I had shared with you last week. You may remember that I started out by sharing with you that we believe that Christ is coming again. Can you say amen to that? Christ is coming again. Regardless of what men and women may say, the Word of God makes it very clear that Christ will return. And that coming is going to be in two phases. The first being the rapture of the church. The second being the visible, physical return of Christ, which we know as the second coming. Now the difference between the two is that in the rapture, Christ will come to the atmosphere and He will gather the dead in Christ first, then those who are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord, and together we will be with the Lord forever and forever. That will be followed at some point by the second coming, and the second coming is when Christ returns to this earth. The kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ, and He will rule and reign for all of eternity. Now, as far as the rapture is concerned, we believe that that is an imminent event, which is to say that Christ could return for His church at any moment. He could come today, He could come tomorrow, He could come in 10 months, 10 years, He could come in 100 years. It's imminent. We do not know when He is coming again. It's imminent. I shared with you last week that the word imminent really carries the idea of that Christ has already left. Like we're not even waiting anymore for Him to leave. He's already left and now it's just a matter of when He will arrive on the scene. We don't know when He's coming. We don't know how close we are to His coming. Um, We do not know how soon His appearing will be, and we are forbidden in Scripture to set any kind of dates upon His return. But what Jesus did tell us is that there would be signs along the way to let us know that we are in the season when Christ could return and that we need to be prepared. And I shared with you how Jesus dealt with these signs, because let's be honest, you can even abuse the signs and say, well, this must mean that He's coming now. No, that was never the way Christ really looked at signs. The way that Jesus would look at signs was that initially they would start out sporadically, that they would be spaced out further from each other, and that they would be very general. But the closer that we actually get to the coming of the Lord, the more frequent those signs will be and the more specific they would be so that we would know we're drawing closer. 
And if you take the time to look at the signs that Jesus offered in Matthew 24 and in Luke 21 and Mark 13, you'll find that as he begins, they're very general. Nation, rising up against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Those are very general terms. But as he goes through the prophecy, you'll find that they become much more specific. And so that's how we view even signs. And Paul, if you remember, last week we talked about how Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, actually became very specific with Timothy concerning the signs of the last days. He begins at verse 1. But know this, turn to your neighbor and tell him, know this, that in the last days perilous, brutal, savage, difficult days will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who keep or excuse me, who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Now folks, you can't get more specific than that. That reads like today's headlines. In fact, if we took a few moments and went through every one of them again, you and I could come up with stories we heard just this week that fit into each one of those Um, categories. And so we know that the coming of the Lord is soon. How soon only He knows, but we know we are getting closer. And this is how dangerous the days are going to become at the end. And knowing those dangers, the Apostle Paul now shifts his attention to what Timothy and future generations of believers that would follow him must do to avoid these perils and these dangers of the last days. And what I'd like to do this morning is try and share what the Lord has put on my heart while staying within the context of signs and, if you will, a journey or even traveling or a highway because that is something that we can all very easily relate to. As a pastor, as a minister of the Word, you're always looking for word pictures that will help men and women grasp what you're trying to say. And and that's why I'm going to use this whole traveling theme here. Because everyone has had to travel from time to time. Now, I alluded to this last week, but I'm going to expound a little bit on it here this morning. Kathy and I have done our fair share of traveling over the last 30 years of ministry. And some of that was just by design If you grew up in rural northern Maine, you had to drive a long distance to get anywhere. I'm just telling you right now. We had to drive two and a half hours just to get to the nearest mall when we were growing up. You had to drive six hours to get to any major city, and that was Boston. I went to school in uh, Rhode Island. That was an eight-hour drive whenever we went home. Our first assignment in ministry was in State College, Pennsylvania. That was a 12-hour drive back home. Um, During that time we were living out there, we also traveled, some of you know, with a Christian drama ministry called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And literally, we drove throughout the United States in a 34-foot motorhome. And boy, do we miss that motorhome today. You know, I know Pastor Appreciation Day is all over, but maybe next year. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just teasing. Yeah, I'm just teasing. Maybe not. But um, we loved that, that motor home and enjoyed it. But we traveled all through the United States. We traveled all throughout the, the eastern seaboard, and we went all the way out west as far as Utah and basically every state in between. In fact, I was thinking about it. Our very first year with Heaven's Gates, we left... Just, just a couple of days after the new year and we did not come back to our home until the last week of May or the first week of June. I can't remember when it was. We were gone all of that time. So we have done our fair share of driving. And that's not even considering the last 24 years we've lived here and on average have made the 12-hour drive back to Maine two times a year. So we've done a lot of travel. And I would never consider myself a professional driver. I am pretty confident in my driving. I don't know if my wife shares the same sentiment, but I am very confident in my driving. I I consider myself to be a, a good driver. 
And I would tell you this, that I believe there are two things that I have found that are absolutely necessary for a safe, successful, and extended road trip. Now, there may be other things that I would want to take with me, but there are two that are absolutely essential, vital to an extended road trip. Not just around the corner, I mean like hours upon hours. And it would simply be this, you need some form of navigation and you need a traveling companion. I can think of a lot of other things that I would want to take, but if I had to boil it down to two things that are absolutely essential to a safe extended road trip, it would be direction and it would be interaction. You need direction and you need someone to interact with. First, you've got to have navigation. And it might come in the form of a map. How many of you remember those maps? Like some of, some of you that are younger are saying, what's a map? And the only thing you ever heard of a map was Dora the Explorer, okay? It's like, you know, I'm the map, I'm the map. That's all you know, you've never seen one. But I will tell you that when Kathy and I started with Heaven's Gate Sells Flames, the first purchase we made was Rand McNally Roadmap. How many of you ever owned a Rand McNally, okay? The best there ever was. And I'm going to tell you, Kathy became a master map reader. She was excellent. She was my navigator. It was unbelievable. I could look at a sign and say, well, it says we're 120 miles from this place. And she could find us right on the map. She could find the best route. She was excellent at it. And so I'm thankful for maps. But as technology began to increase, we went to GPS units. How many of you ever had a dedicated GPS unit. Okay, let me see your hands, okay? But then technology even got better, and now we have navigational apps right on our smartphone. I mean, it's unbelievable. You don't even need a GPS. It's right here in your phone, and if you have a car like mine, you can plug it right into the car, and the map shows right up on the screen. And even when I'm driving locally, I typically put it on. I just like kind of knowing where I am. But you've got to have some kind of navigation to tell you where you are, where you're going, and how to get there. You've got to have that if you're going to be successful in this. You can't just go at it blind. You've got to have some form of navigation. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know about you, but it has made me a lot more confident when I'm driving because I know I'm never lost. Even if the GPS is down, all i got to do is turn it on and push a button and it immediately will tell me where I am and where I need to go and how to get there. It stays right with me and she will tell me when I've gone wrong. I mean, I don't know if you call yours by the name, but, you know, she just is always saying, you know, make a U-turn, make a U-turn, make a U-turn because I'm not going the way that she wants me to go. All right, you need navigation, but... As reliable as these things are, as these tools are, you also need someone to share the journey with you. Because there is information that only they can provide that this, as powerful as it is, cannot provide for you. This can give me absolutely vital information for my travels, but it cannot tell me who's in my blind spot. It cannot tell me the conditions that I'm driving in. It cannot tell me when someone's trying to cut me off or someone's just tailgating me. It can't tell me when I'm getting a little tired and that I need to pull over. It can't relieve me when I need to rest. That is information that has to be given on the fly and can only be provided by someone who is by your side. And so as powerful as this is, and no one would ever think of leaving on an extended trip, especially to places you've never been, without some form of navigation. At the same time, you need someone there to hold you accountable. Someone will be another set of eyes when you can't see what could potentially put you in danger. And why I say all of that is because as Paul is writing to Timothy now about his extended journey, because remember, Paul is writing from prison. He's only hours, weeks away from his execution. And knowing his departure is at hand, he's saying, Timothy, listen, I'm going to be gone shortly, but you've got time left on this planet. And you have to do several things to make sure that you finish strong. 
And he talks about it right here. And he actually talks about it in terms that we can all relate to. Here it is. Beginning at verse number 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. How much? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, whether you realize it or not, those verses are telling you if you're going to make it, you've got to have navigation and you've got to have interaction. Take a look at how he begins verses 10 and 14. Look at this, the opening words of verse 10 and verse 14. Verse 10 opens up with, but you have carefully followed. And then verse 14 opens up with, but you must continue in the things. I love that. Because what he's basically saying is, Timothy, the reason you got this far is because you have carefully followed the things I'm going to go over with you again. And if you're going to make it beyond this, then you must continue in these things that I'm going to go over with you again. Paul is saying to Timothy, in order for you to navigate through all that is coming, you're going to have to carefully follow and continue to follow these things that I'm going to share with you. Now let me just break this down very quickly. First, those words carefully follow mean to be always present. It means to attend one wherever they go and to conform to it. So what Paul is saying here is, Timothy, the reason that you got here right now is because these things I'm going to go over with you again have always been present in your life. You've attended to them wherever you've gone in life and continually conformed to them. And I'm going to tell you, you've got to continue in them now. Continue here means to abide. It means to remain. It means to not become another or different. He said, what you have done so far has gotten you here. And if you're going to finish strong, you have got to now abide and remain in these things and not go in any other direction and not become anything different than what these things provide for you. Paul is saying, in effect, Timothy, I want you to so carefully follow the things I'm about to share with you that it will be said of you long after you have gone that you not only followed these things, but you abided in them so intimately, so continually that you have conformed to them and have never become anything other than what the information they have provided has given you. Paul was saying to Timothy, and listen, to every believer that would be living in the last days, which means you and me as well, he's telling us that in order to get through the perils of the last days, if we're going to finish strong and overcome and navigate through the destruction that is yet to come, we're going to have to abide in these two things so closely, so permanently, so imminently that we find ourselves conforming to the principles that they provide. What are they? He tells us right here, a GPS and a traveling partner. Now, he doesn't call it that because they didn't have them there, but that's exactly what he was saying. It's right there, clear as day in verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life. My doctrine is the Word of God. That's your GPS. This is your only navigational tool in this earth. This is your GPS. And then he says, the manner of life. The manner of life was the example that Paul had provided Timothy throughout his years. And that is his traveling companion. And I'm going to tell you folks, you can try and cut corners all you would like, but if you're going to finish strong, 
you're going to need the Word of God and you're going to need a man or a woman of God that is watching you day by day. Can I hear a better amen? Can I, can I hear at least a good Methodist amen here today? Okay, just... I'd like, you know, you're going to need both. And I know some of you immediately, you're saying, well, I'll listen to the first point, but not the second point. Stay with me today. Because no matter what your selfish, arrogant, proud man is saying, you need both the Word of God and you need a man of God, a woman of God in your life. If you go at it alone, you'll never make it in these days ahead. And I want to go through them very quickly with you. First, you need the Word of God. That's your GPS. He says right here, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. And then he went on in verse 14 to say, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, if you're going to navigate through the perils of this last day, then you must always allow the Word of God to be present with you and in you. You need to attend to the Word of God wherever it leads you. You must conform to it. You cannot allow yourself to step outside of the bond of the Word of God. This is your GPS. And no matter what the surroundings say, no matter what men say, you stick with the Word of God. This will only take you to heaven one day in Jesus' name. Doctrine is simply teaching. That's what the word doctrine means. It it just is talking about the teachings of the Word of God, both Old and New Testament. And Paul is telling Timothy that the only way to navigate through the perils of this last day is to conform to the teaching of Jesus Christ revealed in the Word of God and to never become anything other than that which is revealed. To go in no other direction, to not go in any other uh, manner, but instead to to stick with the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't save you. Only the blood of Jesus Christ saves you. But once you are saved, you better be aligning your life to the Word of God and not to your emotions and not to your feelings and not to the political party that you belong to, but rather the Word of the living God. Can I hear a good amen? Make no mistake about it, the Word of God is our navigation in these perilous times. It is the only fixed point in the moral universe. And if you set your moral bearings in any other point or direction, it will prove eternally fatal. When you stand before the living God, when I stand before the living God, and we give an account for our lives, He's not going to ask, well, what did you feel? You know, what did you think about salvation? He is going to open up. The Bible says He's going to open up books. And one book that He will open up is the Word of the living God. And He's going to hold you according to the standard that is there in this book. You do not need a doctorate or a master to understand the greatest book that has ever been written. All you need is the Holy Spirit of the living God Almighty and the humility to bow before it. And when you stand before Him, your opinion is not going to matter at all to God. It's the Word of God. So you and I need to get up every morning and humble and tremble before the Word of God and say, Lord, my salvation is really being determined by my ability to humble myself before this. God, help me stay away from deception and walk in the path thereof in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody say amen to that. The instruction of the Word of God for best results should begin at childhood. He says, from childhood You have known these things. Mom and dad, can I tell you that the greatest responsibility that you have is to train up your children in the Word of the living God Almighty. And if your children ever needed it now is the time because there are so many voices that are in our world today. You need to open up Scripture and you need to tell them what the Word of God says. And we need to continue in the Word of God until we leave earth. You know, as I said a few moments ago, with a GPS, I can immediately locate where I am. I can see where I need to go, and I even have the directions on how to get there. 
It provides real-time updates. It gives me course correction when there's construction or traffic. You know, Waze, I don't know how many of you use a Waze app, but Waves will say police reported ahead, construction reported ahead. They will say, you know, if you stay on this, there's going to be traffic, but you can take an alternate route. I mean, it gives you all of that real-time information. And can I tell you, the Word of God can do the same. The Word of God can help you locate where you are. That's why last Sunday it was so quiet in this house because some of you thought you were in a better place than when the Word of God came out and you realize, oh my God, I am in a bad place today. Folks, the Word of God will help you locate where you are, but it will also tell you where you need to be and it will even show you how to get there for the glory and the honor of His great name. Can I hear a good amen? And that's why David said in Psalm 119 and verse 11, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm glad he used that word might. It doesn't say that you will not sin against God. You might. The word of God isn't going to make you obey it. But the word of God will show you what to do. And if you hide it in your heart and you humble yourself before it, you will not sin against the living God. The Word of God can warn you of what lies ahead if you stay on the path you're currently walking on. People say, I never saw that coming. If you didn't see it coming, chances are you aren't spending time in the Word of God. Because most of us can see the direction we're heading in and the collision course we are on simply by studying the Word of the living God. The Bible will not tell you who to marry, but will tell you the kind of man or a woman you should be looking to marry one day. It will teach you how to be a man or a woman that somebody would want to marry. Come on, say amen or ouch. The Word of God will not tell you what career path you should choose. But the Word of God will teach you how to be a man or a woman of integrity and a man or a woman who someone would be crazy for not hiring you. The Word of God will strengthen your future for the glory and the honor of His name. I wish I was preaching to somebody here today that knew the power of the Word of God in their heart and their life. I love what... David said in Psalm 119 and 105, he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I love that. And I've always loved that analogy. If you're walking in the dark, wherever it might be, you can hold up a flashlight or a candle or a lantern or whatever you have. And when you hold it in front of your feet, you can see what's there right in front of your feet. And you know what? Sometimes you need to know what's right there. You need to know what you might step in or what you might step on. You got to know what's right there. But you need every once in a while to lift up that lamp and shine light on what's ahead of you because you can just look at your feet and fall right off the edge of a cliff. You need to be able to light up the path and know if you need to make some corrections. Can I tell you, the Word of God will do the same. The Word of God is a lamp under my feet. It will help me with the day-to-day decisions and choices that I have to make. But as I lift up the Word of God high, it will cast light upon my future and show me where I'm heading in Jesus' mighty name. Hide the Word of God in your heart because without it, you'll never make it in Jesus' name. And this is true of all Scripture. He says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture. That means Old Testament and New Testament. Today we're hearing people really stay away. Even saying people, don't worry about the Old Testament. Just stay with the New Testament. Folks, listen. All Scripture, Old and New Testament, is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration just means it's God-breathed. In fact, some of your translations probably say that, that all Scripture is God-breathed. Now, I don't have time to unpack this the way that maybe I should, and maybe sometime I will, as far as what inspiration means. But let me just say this. We believe that even though men sat down and wrote the words that are in this book, even though we believe that, we do not believe that they were doing that independent from the influence of the Holy Spirit. That when they sat down, it was the Holy Spirit that was moving them along to write the words that they were writing. 
He may have used their style. He may have used their way of talking. But he was superintending every word so that now in 2019 we could sit here and be absolutely sure that this is the word from the living God. And if we abide within it, we will find ourselves with him one day in Jesus' mighty name. You and I have the word of God in our heart. Now what I love, it says... Again, it says inspired in our translation, but in other translations, and we know this, what it means. It's God-breathed. And I get excited with that because you know what? We have an account when the breath of God first showed up in Scripture. It was in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7 where it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. You know... God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, but he was just the form of a man until God breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and man became a living being. I wonder if this is why Jesus, when he was being tempted in Luke chapter 4, said, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Your body will shut down without water and without food. And I'm going to tell you, your spirit man will shrivel up and die unless you are feeding it the milk, the meat, and the water of the word of the living God Almighty. And that's why some of you literally cannot get excited when we come into this church on Sunday or it's just emotional for you because all week you've neglected the word of God, you've neglected the breath of God breathing into your spirit and so you come in here dead. It's not the worship that's dead. It's not the people around you that's dead. It's you that are dead because you haven't been breathed into your lungs the breath of heaven through the word of the living God almighty can I hear a good amen if you believe that we got to get back to the word in Jesus name what will the word of God do I could take a long time with this but I'm just going to say quickly he says the word of God is profitable for doctrine that's truth the word of God will tell you what's true listen the, the word does not care about your feelings Okay, Siri could care less about what I feel when I'm on the road. She just tells me what is true and rebukes me when I'm off course. Like I said, make a U-turn, make a U-turn, make a, yes, shut up. I know some of you don't say that. Okay, but it's, it's rebuking me. Listen, the Word of God is only interested in truth. It's not even interested in facts. It's interested in what is true. And you live in a world that hates truth, where truth is relative, where truth is relative to my experiences. Listen, God could care less what you and I feel, what we're attracted to, what we sense. He's only interested in what is true. The Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for truth. It's also profitable for reproof, when I stray from the truth, he says. Then it is profitable for correction so that I can know how to get back on track. And then it's profitable for instruction in righteousness so that I can grow in the righteousness of God so that, he says, the man of God, the woman of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work that God has called us to. And that's not just pastoral ministry. The Word of God will equip you for the good work of being a husband. Can I hear a good amen from the husbands in the house? It'll equip you for every good work of being a wife, for the good work of being a submitted son and daughter, of being the, doing the good work of a mother and a father, of doing the good work of an employer, of an employee of a citizen in the country that you live in. It will thoroughly equip you. There is no excuse for bad behavior. You've heard me say that a million times. There's a million and one. Another one, I'll get you a Big Mac after service. But turn to your neighbor and tell him there's no excuse for bad behavior. No excuse for bad behavior. The Word of God is sufficient in equipping you for everything 
that God called you to do in Jesus' name. Can you give God all the praise if you believe that? All right. But Paul doesn't stop there. Some of you wish he had. You really do. Because you live by the Word of God, and you should. But Paul didn't stop there. He says, you're also going to need a man of God. You're also going to need a woman of God in your life. Listen to what he says. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life. You followed my purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, listen to this, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He said, listen, son, I love the Word of God and I have devoted my life to communicating the Word of God. But you need to know that if you're going to make it to the end, you had better have a man of God that remains in your life that keeps you accountable to the Word that's here. Timothy, to abide and remain in the footsteps of those who taught and modeled the Word in your life and never allow yourself to become another or someone different. He said, son, you were fortunate enough, blessed enough, I should say, to be raised by a godly grandmother and a godly mother. I came later in your life as a man of God and we have faithfully laid down a pattern for your life. And now, you need to follow that example. Don't become anything other than the example that we have left you. I see some of you, again, you don't like this. And I just, I've been pastoring for 30 years, 24 here. And no one likes this part. And some of you immediately just, I can, I can just see it right in your faces. Well, I read the Word of God all the time. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. No, don't need anybody. So you shut down. Let me just tell you, The same Holy Spirit that inspired Paul to write about the importance of the Word of God is the same Holy Spirit who inspired him to write about the power and the necessity of an example in your life. And Paul, in his mind, did not see that you can choose one over the other. Eh, You know what, I'm just kind of a relational guy. So I'm not going to really read the Word of God. I'm just going to follow somebody's example. Eh. Because if they go off the rails, you will too. Some of you just say, well, I'm just going to stick with the Word. That's great. The problem is, is then you have set yourself up as the standard of what is proper interpretation and how to apply it. And you're not receiving the counsel of someone else and trying to balance that out. We need godly examples in our life to follow. The Word of God can teach me what I'm supposed to do, without a doubt. But a mentor shows me how to live it out in my life on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, thank you for that amen back there. I don't know where it started, but thank you. He says, Timothy, follow the example that your grandmother, your mother, and I have given you. You followed my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, my persecution, affliction. He says, you were with me through it all, son. You were with me in every one of these cities. You saw how they treated me. You saw the beatings that I experienced. But you also saw how I conducted myself in my pain. And how I remained purposed and my faith was strong and I was patient. How I loved even the people who beat on me. How I persevered in my persecutions and my afflictions. I didn't tell you just how to live. I showed you how to live. I showed you how to live it out. And if you're going to make it to the end, you've got to follow that example. And that's what he is saying to all of us. 
Who is your traveling partner? Spouses do not count. In fact, anyone that you're related to does not count. The family relationship compromises the ability to really speak into your life. I love my son and I love my daughter and they come to me for counsel. But thank the Lord, I am wise enough at times to say, you know what? I don't trust my judgment here because you're my son. You're my daughter. And I am concerned that my counsel is going to be biased. Again, I know some of you are just thinking, ah, he's just a young kid. No, I'm 52. And I've been saved for 47 years. And I'm going to tell you, I've never seen anyone that went it alone that finished strong. God never intended you to walk this out by yourself. And that is a principle that is seen all through the New Testament. I don't even have time to go through it. I mean, just a couple. Another one of Paul's apprentices was Titus. And he said to Titus, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, and in all things show yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. He says, Timothy, as a, or excuse me, Titus, as a pastor, yes, it's very important that you speak the things that are good for sound doctrine. But more than that, you've got to be an example. You've got to be a pattern of good works, of how to live a life of integrity, of revering and reverencing God, of being incorruptible. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16, he says, Therefore I urge you, imitate me. In Philippians, he says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk. In other words, he's saying, join in following my example, but find other men that walk the same way as you have us for a pattern. It's like a template. Now I love what it says in Hebrews 6 and verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, because in, uh, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So he directly ties the sluggishness that was in many of the Christians here in Rome. He's identifying the reason that they were so sluggish and lethargic in their walk with God is that they no longer were imitating the lives of men who through faith and patience and inherited the promises of God. See, a lot of you won't own your deadness. Church is a formality today. You've lost your passion. And the reason is not because the church is tired right now and the pastor's not really feeding me anymore. It's because you have no godly example in your life and following in the path of men and women who finish strong in Jesus' name. I'm just going to talk to you. Um, a little while ago, there was a family that reached out to me, and um, they said, we're really going through a crisis, and we really need some intervention. I said, that's fine. And I, so I met with the family, and it was in that awkward moment right at that time, because and I'd just done this for long enough to see how this works. They had shared with me everything that could possibly sh- be shared. And then I provided all the counsel that I knew to give them and lay out kind of a plan of where we would go from here. And it was just that silence because now the enormity of what they're going through and what it's going to take to actually get back to where they need to be, that's just settling in on them now. And they're just like, whoa, this is so big. And there was a little bit of a silence right there. And then someone in the family, and I I just, it was such a a, a moment. Someone in the family said, Pastor Kurt, could you tell us how this ever happened to our family? They said, "We we are in the Word all the time. You come into our house in the morning, we're in the Word. You come to our house towards the end of the evening. We're in the Word. We're, we're reading the Word. We're studying the Word. We don't just come to church on Sunday morning. We, we come Sunday evenings. We come to classes. We come to Wednesday night studies. We're, we're always in the Word. How could this have happened to us? 
without even thinking, I just have to believe it was the Lord, I said, who's your mentor? And they said, what do you mean? I said, who do you meet with on a regular basis that, I, I won't say older, although sometimes age is appropriate, but who is it you're meeting with on a regular basis, regular basis, that is more mature in their faith? Because listen, I've seen people that have been saved a shorter amount of time that are infinitely more mature than people that have been saved longer than they have been. I said, who do you meet with on a regular basis that is excelling in their walk with God? That have learned how to rightly divide the word of truth and, and how to apply it to their marriage, apply it to their raising of their children. I said, who do you meet with on a regular basis so that as you're reading the word and you think you know what it's saying, that you can bounce it off to make sure that you're getting it right? Who do you meet with? No one. Who do you meet with? No one. Who do you meet with? It is amazing to me today the people that think that they can just pick up this Bible and they can navigate through it themselves with no one that's there to watch them. Not in a lording manner, not trying to lord, but just someone that sits with them. You, you know, many of you know that, that uh, I submit willingly to my elders. And I'm just thinking, I've been, a, I've been a Christian for 47 years. Do you know how easy it would be for me to say, I don't need anybody. I went to Bible school. I'm an ordained minister. Big deal. God's looking at that and saying, that doesn't mean anything. I sit with my elders of this church on a regular basis. And I talk about everything. I don't do anything until I run it through them on a personal level, on a corporate level in this church. And it's because I have blind spots. And if you think you don't, you're going to crash and burn. You're going to crash and burn. It's just, it's that simple, folks. You're never, you're never going to do it on your own. Or, you know, I've got to be careful because obviously I believe the Word of God is powerful. It'll bring you. But I'm going to tell you something. That you've increased the risk of failure when you isolate yourself from other people. The Word of God makes it clear that a man who willfully isolates himself, it breaks out against all wise counsel. I'll tell you one story and we'll be done. That TJ, you can come up. This is... This is a while ago. I'm not sure how long ago it was, but I remember that we still had our minivan. Remember those minivans? And we had one. And uh, we were up in Maine, and we actually had gone on a little road trip, and uh, my mom and dad were with us as well. And it had been a long day. We had had to drive two hours to where we were going, and then we were there all day, and it was a two-hour drive back. So everybody was pretty tired and and so on the way back we're on a highway and everyone is sound asleep except me I'm driving and that's all right I love driving and so I'm just having a good time and then I look up in the distance and it was as black as night and it was a massive thunderstorm coming my way which I was excited about because I'm going to tell you right now as there's only one thing better than driving and that's driving in a storm I don't know if any of you are like that. I love driving in the snow. I love driving in the elements. I don't know. I know. I'm sick. But I, I, I love it. I do. I just, I just think it's great. Now, I'm smart. You know, obviously, I know when it's too bad and I need to get off the road. But there's just something about driving through the storm. You know? And so the storm's coming, and I, I, I'm going through, and it catches up. And it was brilliant. I mean, the sky was lit up lightning strikes it was really cool but it dumped a lot of rain down more than I was anticipating it was one of those ones that the windshield wipers could not keep up with it it was but everybody else 
you know. And that's all right. I'm enjoying it. I slowed down. We're, we're doing all right. All of a sudden, never had this happened to me before. All of a sudden, I could feel like the, somebody was picking the car up. And it felt like I was floating. And, and I panicked. I'd never had this happen to me before. And, I, and I, I, I was panicking inside. I didn't lose my cool. But I didn't want to wake anybody up and exasperate the issue. And so I just, I couldn't tell. But I just said, Dad. And my dad was awake. And it was, he just spoke so calmly to me. I'll never forget this. He just said, Kurt, you're hydroplaning. And I said, what do I do? He said, he said, just take your foot off the gas. Don't touch the brake. The car will set back down again. I did. He says, now get in the tire tracks of the guy that's ahead of you and just follow his tracks right out of the rain. And I did. Now that sounds so simple, I know. But I'm going to tell you, a GPS could never have told me that. I needed a man who'd been there, done that, and knew how to get out of it. And there are a lot of you, again, you, you think, oh, the, the Bible's all I need. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible will give you all the information that you need. It will tell you the storms are coming. It, it'll, it'll tell you how to prepare for them. But until it strikes, honey, you don't know what you're going to react like. And at that point, you better have a godly man or a godly woman in your life that can say, son, daughter, it's okay. This is what we're going to do in Jesus' name. Listen to what he says. This is how he ends it. Why is this so important? Verse 13. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's not getting any better. <laughs> it isn't. He says, Timothy, you better be ready. Because if you think it's bad now, evil men and those posing as believers, they're going to be all through the church. And that's why you had better be grounded in your GPS, <laughs> in the Word of God, and you better have a traveling companion that they are watching you you get the opportunity to watch over their life and together you make it in Jesus mighty name bless the Lord yeah give them God praise hallelujah mm. heads bowed eyes closed just, just take a moment right there and, uh, and just say Lord search my heart here Lord where are you? As far as the Word of God is concerned, how much time do you devote every day to not just reading devotions, but actually studying the Word to just know what God is saying? Who's your mentor? Who do you meet with on a regular basis that you're not related to that is much further advanced in their faith with the Lord. Their walk with God.